Yeah, so uh, Nick Glessman raised an interesting point tonight uh, on one of our slacks that was, uh, um, do you think that if the Borg really existed, would you put up a resistance or would you just go with it? I mean, if it's the legit Borg, then, you know, that doesn't seem great. But if it's just like a Borg-like, you know, collective intelligence like a, that's maybe like a hive has mind. better personal hygiene. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> it doesn't make you turn all like weird and green. Um yeah. Future- you know, what if you could just log in and then log back out, <laughs> right. you know, for a while? That would be probably better. Yeah, uh Futurama kind of did that with the the giant brain slug thing that was voiced by David Cross. The slurm? Wasn't that the slurm? No, that was a different, uh, oh, different slug. Sh- wait, hold on. Hold on. There's Is that the red phone? Is the red- Oh, it's the emergency it's the emergency liquid flannel hotline. Is the red phone ringing? What, have we ever gotten a call on that thing? Uh, it's for emergencies only. Uh, we better we better check you this should, out. You should pick it up. All right. Uh, hi, liquid flannel emergency political hotline. Hello? 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 Am I coming hi. through? Hi, who's calling? This is the future president, Bernie Sanders, calling in. Oh, my Hello? God. Oh, my God. It finally happened. Sen- Senator All of Sanders. our tweets. They finally came through. God, what an yes, honor. Uh, I'm, I'm calling uh, through a, a small Dixie cup I've got connected to a piece of string. <laughs> I've got it running out to the backyard right now. So if uh, I go in and out, let me know. I've got Jane back there. She's... Hold on a second. Jane! Jane, the top bridge! <laughs> you you got to keep it taut. Yes. Okay, but I'm, I'm coming tight. through. I'm coming through. <laughs> Senator, it's it's an amazing honor to have you on the program. Um you know, it, you you came out hard on some uh, what people are calling some pretty radical positions today with uh, yes. credit card interest rates and postal yes. banking. Um, yes. But man, what a what an opportunity to get to talk to you. Well, look, um, four years ago when I ran for president, everybody said, "Bernie, you're crazy. Your ideas are just too radical." But look how far we have come. They did. That yeah, is why you, you pushed the entire party to the left. It's amazing. Exactly. That is why today, when those same critics are saying, this is too radical, this is nutso, this is insano, all right? I say, <laughs> look, do you want to hear another radical idea, all right? I think we need 15 bucks an hour, Medicare for all, and we need to extend the right to vote to birds. To birds. <laughs> yes, birds. They've been underrepresented for far too long. Well, look, Senator, is it such a does... radical idea? Senator, does this have to do with the bird that landed on your podium that one time? Look, I will never take money from special interests. Um, uh, I, I will not uh, cow to Big Bird. I'm not saying the top 1% of birds or the top 2% of birds. I'm saying all birds, okay? You got Tweety Birds, Pigeons, Pidgeotos. It, it doesn't matter. Are you just trying to win the endorsement of the Audubon Society? I mean, this is clearly just, just pandering. Or is this legit? Look, I would never pander, all right? I'm saying that we take the birds that we have, and on top of that, even more importantly, we can make new birds using the existing technology we have from films like Jurassic World, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. You know, it's not crazy. They do it all over the world, all right? It's called Senator, gene splicing. Senator, so so you're, you're advocating for... Uh, this is this sounds like some kind of Frankenstein stuff. I mean, does that fit in with the the overall leftist sort of ideology that you're trying to push right now? 
Now, are you coming up for transhumanism? Yes, I think, look, this is what the political revolution is all about, right? You build <laughs> these unconscionable, terrible monsters, right? And in the long run, I think that will significantly reduce student debt. <laughs> <laughs> look, you got Senator. young people all over the country. They're not going to be worrying about going to college when they're fighting an army of winged hellbees, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a jobs creation uh, boon to the economy. I mean, I, I think of you know World War II and how much you know that that spending really created jobs. This is a whole new level. Exactly. This is my vision for the Green New Deal. All right. This is my specific policy outline for that. <laughs> well, Senator, you know we we do need to get the show started. We're awfully glad that you called in. Um, do you have any any final thoughts for our audience before we get the the actual episode going? Yes, uh, you know, I, I have something to say, and I, I mean this seriously, all right? I think things can get a little heated sometimes in this country, and that's because the media, you know, you guys included in that, you know, they pit us against each other. But I think that when we stand together against the big interests, we can and we finally will be able to cleanse this earth with nuclear fire, <laughs> finally alerting the aliens, and then they will come down and give us fully automated luxury gay space <laughs> communism. And I think most of the American public would agree. Uh, that's high risk, high reward. Uh, exactly. I'm glad someone finally has the political courage you know, to pull off this plan. You know, liquid flannel has always identified at least a little bit with the uh, the Posadist position, so it's it's actually exactly. really refreshing to hear it first from you. Final thoughts: uh, the truth is out there, and you can find it <laughs> at BernieSanders.com. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Senator Bernie Sanders, for coming on the show. Uh, hope, hope to talk to you again soon, sir. Thank you guys very much for having me. Um, hold on. Wait, I'm losing you. Hold on. <laughs> Jane! Jane! <laughs> oh, the, the birds may have chewed through the line. They were getting, it was getting a little heated. <laughs> Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I'm Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my very excellent co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, what do you got for us this week? Uh, we're backsliding here in Omaha. It is like 40 degrees again, so uh, it's groundhogs or something. I don't know what's going on. It's, God, it yeah, I, I know. It, it got down into the the low 60s here today. It's it's almost like February weather. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the gardening situation is uh, is quite tragic. <laughs> oh no are you losing plants i mean you just can't plant them i mean you're just waiting for it to be you know right. done and nice but it's i'll, still I'll ship i'll ship you some of the pepperoncinis and cherry tomatoes i already have coming on the vine here in the meantime while brendan waits for my produce care package we've got a a guest for you as as another as guest we often do another we just guest. have a embarrassment of riches we on do this episode absolutely joining us tonight is the deputy director rapid response from Media Matters, Andrew Lawrence. Andrew, thanks for joining us. What's happening, guys? How are you doing? I don't remember where you're located exactly. DC? I am in. Uh, I'm in DC. Okay. So we got Brendan in Omaha, and where are you at, man? I'm in Arlington, Texas. So yeah, okay. North, North Texas. You should and feel you very just... honored because normally we only allow guests from the Midwest. So. I'm, well, I'm technically, technically a Florida guy, but I've lived in uh, Ohio and Iowa as well. So I've got a little... Okay, 
Iowa counts. Okay. That's cool. All right. Honorary <laughs> Midwesterner. <laughs> that works, man. Y'all are crazy though, so <laughs> well, I, I imagine that you're in like a in like a Fox News bunker. It's like a supervillain lair where you just have like, you know, Fox News on like 50 monitors, you know, One you're, America, NRA. Yeah, not that, that far that, off. That Ozymandias thing where you're sitting there in front yeah. of 50 different TV screens, uh, just randomly rotating through news channels so that you can kind of get the gestalt of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's re- it's really not that far off. Um our offices, are, our offices are nice and they're full of TVs and it's Fox News and OAN and all that garbage. Man, I, I'm so sad that you live in like a clockwork orange. That sounds like a horrible <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I, I tell people when people ask me what I do, I tell them I basically get paid to watch TV. So it's it's not that bad, although uh, the brain rot is real. Um, I watching, was going to say, I mean, yeah, you're not just watching TV. You're not watching, you know, this isn't like a Game of Thrones job. You're watching some of the worst <laughs> stuff that's being put out for mass consumption right now. It's bad, man. And, and you know, for the most part, uh, my coworkers are amazing. Um, and I work uh, evenings, which is usually about 3 o'clock to 11 at night. And um, I'm on the night shift with uh, Brendan Carrot. And I'm sorry? That's prime time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, we just got a cool crew. And for the most part, we have fun. I mean, there's a lot of... Uh, you know, you hear a lot of groans, a lot of people just screaming out, you know, fuck at when Tucker Carlson, <laughs> you know just goes off um but there's some tough nights too the um anytime there's like a mass shooting and you got to sit there and like watch laura ingram or tucker carlson say that like ar-15s are actually safe and you know um just make excuses like those are tough nights um but uh for the most part we have a lot of fun here just it's just so ridiculous you have to well, you would have, yeah, you, you would need to keep at least a little bit of a sense of humor or, I mean, you'd jump out the window, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but see, now the weird thing is, though, I mean, you have people that watch these shows every single night to get their news. Like, they actually watch it voluntarily, and, um, I, like, I don't get it. I don't understand how they do it. Um, and, and the changes in primetime recently, too. Like, you used to have Bill O'Reilly, Megyn Kelly, and then Sean Hannity. And aside from Hannity, like Megyn Kelly and Bill O'Reilly, like they're awful people. They're they're disgusting, but like they could put on a TV show. It was at least entertaining. And oh, for like, sure. Like you would watch O'Reilly and he would get angry, but he would also have fun and he would joke around and, you know, he would sometimes have on like, you know, guests that weren't terrible. <laughs> and sometimes he sometimes he even came off as being kind of reasonable. He was sure. sort of the he was the reasonable pundit. He was Papa Bear, you know, the the one who was <laughs> kind of keeping keeping all of the uh, all of the other pundits from going a little bit too far off the reservation. Yeah, he had right. the decency to keep his horrible behavior off screen, you know, like, right. a, like a respectable <laughs> newsman. There, there's, there was some bad stuff on screen, too. You know, I mean, he he would throw throw it out there that oh, like the, sl- the slaves that built the White House were actually well fed. So, like, it didn't count as slavery or whatever, Yikes. I guess. So, so but, um, but the shit that they put on now, you know, it's Tucker Carlson, Ingram. Sean Hannity, it's just, it's unwatchable. It's bad TV. It's like produced poorly. Um, and they just sort of ramble for an hour each. It's well, yeah. I, I mean, Hannity is pretty clearly drunk on screen, <laughs> like almost every night. I, I think he might be doing like a Dean Martin, like faux drunkenness, <laughs> perhaps. Right? Just to really, just to be more relatable to his audience. But even with well, his show, I mean, you could put. You, you could watch a rerun from six months ago and it would be the same show that he does like tonight, 
You know, it's just all about the deep state. It's about arrests are coming for Comey and Hillary. Um, and that's about it. That's the show basically every single night. Well, and that's that's where I wanted to kick off our, our real substantive discussion with you, uh, because uh, Brendan's kind of ribbed me about it on the show before. But uh, back, you know, like college age, say like, uh, Jesus Christ, how old am I? Yeah, it would be like 15 years ago or something. Um <laughs> I used to listen to AM talk radio sort of recreationally, or right. at least in, in the sense of, like, I would like to know what these people are saying um, mm-hmm. so that I, I can figure out, like, a counter argument if I get into this discussion. And I wonder what your take is on um, have they gotten worse since then? Because they – they seem to have for, oh. for me, at least they seem to have gotten a lot worse in terms of the, the, the escalation of things like xenophobia and white nationalism. Um, they've, they've also, as you point out, kind of degraded in quality where they're not so much interested in, uh, putting together like a very focused show. Sean Hannity was, he was great on the radio. He was so engaging and now he's just sort of slurring his way through these talking points. Right. And the talking points have also gotten a lot worse. Do you, do you feel like that's about a, a good assessment? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, one way that I put it is that uh, Fox News pre-Trump, it was more like country club racism. You know, it was sort of like yeah. mistaking the, the black guy at the country club for the valet. You know, that, that type of like, that type of shit, which is still awful. Like, it's really bad. But like at this point now, it's just straight up white nationalism and white supremacy every single night. And I I mean, Tucker Carlson is the most obvious example. And you take a look at like, you know, he went on a anti-diversity rant a few months ago that was basically word for word in the New Zealand Shooters Manifesto. And I'm not saying like the, the New Zealand Shooter watched Tucker or got it from there, but it's that kind of rhetoric that's sort of inspiring these people to go out and do this type of stuff. And, you know, when you look back to just when Glenn Beck got fired, like he got fired for, well, I mean, he got fired because he lost advertisers, but that all started when he said that President Obama was racist. And I mean, you hear worse shit than that, like on Fox News, I mean, every 10 minutes, every 15 minutes at this point. So there's just, right. there's, there's really no accountability. And I think that like, for me and my colleagues, what can be a little bit frustrating, a little bit depressing is you see that like, you know, just the New Zealand shooter, for example, or the um, uh, Tree of Life Synagogue, the guy that was inspired by the George Soros' funding of this invasion and stuff. And it's it's crystal clear what's what kind of rhetoric these people are being motivated by. And, and there's just no self-reflection from these Fox News hosts, from conservative media in general, but, but particularly um, Fox News. Uh, there's just no self-reflection. They, they don't think back to like, well, maybe I can tone this down just a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm starting to see this language that I'm using show up in manifestos, for Christ's sake. Like, maybe I shouldn't be calling it an invasion. Maybe, you know, maybe I shouldn't be linking George Soros to imaginary caravans every single night and saying that these people are coming to take your jobs and kill your sons and rape your white daughters. Um, and that's Well, I, you're, you're being a little bit kinder to these people than I think I would be. I, I'm not sure that it's a lack of self-reflection so much that... It's they know exactly who their audience is. Right. No, I know. I think that I think that's a very I think that's a very fair point. And, and at this point, like you, that's the only assumption you can make. I mean, it's not even an assumption at this point. Right. Like, I mean, Ben Shapiro absolutely knows who his audience is. And yep. he knows that like literal quotes of his have shown up in manifestos. And yet he 
completely disowns any kind of uh, any kind of um, suggestion that he might have had something to do with radicalizing this guy. Right. Yeah, it's so crazy that they want to totally disconnect their rhetoric with what people do because they listen to the rhetoric. I mean, what do they think that the appropriate response is to going on TV and saying, this country is being invaded by foreigners. You know, America is being threatened and, and destroyed. They want to destroy America. They're terrorists. You know, like, what do you think the appropriate response is if you're going to then turn around and say, well, I didn't mean that you should go, you know, shoot them. Like, oh, I just meant, you know, that maybe the military should go shoot them or whatever. But, you know, right. like, what do they think is the response? And I don't know if it's that they don't, that they don't care or that they actually want these actions to happen from well yeah and and they're they're speaking to an audience that they absolutely know i'm not willing to say anything close to tucker carlson sean hannity laura ingram um ben shapiro these are not stupid people you know they absolutely know that their audience is a a gun worshiping and at least as far as evangelicals go a literal death cult no i I, I mean, I was just going to say, you're absolutely right. And you think back to like, this has been going on for a while. And, and you can look at, um, you know, the George Tiller case, the abortion doctor that Bill O'Reilly labeled George Tiller, the baby killer. Um, and, and then you had the Planned Parenthood shooting in Colorado that um, the, the guy was yelling about baby parts as as those, you know, doctored videos coming out that. They said we're showing Planned Parenthood selling baby parts, which they weren't. Right. Um, but the, the guy is, you know, coming in yelling baby parts after it's been said on Fox News a hundred times. And now, you know, you take a look at what they're talking, the way they're talking about abortion now, um, that Democrats literally want to kill like live babies after they're they're born. They're saying that Democrats want to take these babies home and then let the mother kill them if they want to. Right, and these aren't aren't edge cases either. I mean, you've got the president of the United States doing a rally. uh, We're recording on uh, May 9th, which is a Thursday. He was literally in Florida today repeating a bunch of this same stuff, saying that, you know, like post-birth abortions and, you know, the idea that, uh, like people get to decide after a baby is born whether or not they're gonna, um, you know, whether or not they're gonna execute this this new baby child. When you know, we know that the reality of abortion is that usually it happens very early stages, and any anything kind of late stage happens way later, and it's more of a uh, like for the health of the mother or palliative care uh, for for the fetus. Um, but when the president himself is out there, can we be really surprised that these big media personalities who this is the bread and butter, right. this, this outrage are repeating that stuff and propagating it to their listeners? Right. And, and I think like one of the most crazy things is that they get away with it. You know, I mean, if, if Democrats come out and say or just the left in general uh, comes out and says, hey, if you cut Medicare, it's going to kill people. There's, you know, there's just outrage on the right for saying like, oh, you're, you're saying we want to kill people. But there isn't that when they say that Democrats want to kill babies and like that's their actual policy position is that they want like toddlers to be able to be murdered. Um, they get away with it. And then the president of the United States gets away with it. And I, I don't know. People just don't seem to care. And we've seen what happens when this type of rhetoric it seeps into the right wing and it's uh, it's never good it's never good man it's um it's kind of scary and I, I don't know i mean 
they need to stop doing it, I guess. Well, it's, well, it's totally scary. I mean, at that same rally, there was a line where he was talking about the Border Patrol and like, oh, then they can't mm-hmm. even do anything because of laws. You know, oh, it's so dumb. Like, what are you supposed yeah, to other do? Other countries are, are allowed to just shoot people at the border, but we can't do that. Right. And so someone from the crowd literally yells, you know, what are you going to do about it? And they yell, shoot them. And he was like, oh, only in the Florida panhandle. panhandle right. Can you... Can you get away with that one? Yuck, yuck, yuck. And it's like, that's the that's your response to your supporters literally screaming that we should just shoot random people? <laughs> right, right. So it's, I, yeah, it's terrifying. And like, what, what can you do? You know, um, it's been going on for a while now, too. And, and you know, as you guys pointed out, like I, I wade through this garbage every single night. And there's, there's a lot of talk about like civil war and make sure that you have your guns ready and make sure that you're buying bullets and shit like that. And it's like it's terrifying. Um, and we have seen how long ago was the MAGA bomber, for Christ's sake? You know, it was that six months, nine months ago. Yeah. Um, and it, it just. I don't know. They just don't stop. They keep going. So, and, and it's, you know, we're talking about the most watched cable news uh, station as well. Um, it, it just makes no sense. It's, it's nuts. And, you know, we started off this conversation, you asked if it's gotten worse and like, yeah, dude, it's gotten like a lot worse. And um, there's just no accountability at all, which is a very frustrating part of it. Uh, to what extent do you think, um, so I, I made the point a couple of weeks ago that, you know, I think that if Joe Biden wins the Democratic primary and God forbid he actually wins the election, <laughs> right. um, he's going to continue the same sort of uh, like mealy mouth neoliberal policies that give rise to that kind of, um, you know, what we call Trumpism. But really, it's just that sort of latent uh, racism, xenophobia and uh, and class anxiety that is happening that has been developing for forever. I mean. Do you see it getting any better? Like, even if Trump's economy is doing really well for regular people, do you see that turning around? Or is this a thing that we've got to address on its own? I mean, not with Biden, really. I mean, God, have you, you've seen like some of the comments that have been coming out recently with sure. him. Sure. Um, you know, there was. Yeah, I mean, he he literally crossed two picket lines yesterday. It, 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 you can't do that anymore. And he doesn't get it. You know, he, I, he absolutely doesn't get it. And the. The comments, um, I forget who tweeted it out yesterday, but it was just old comments of him saying like the reason why DC schools are worse than the ones in Iowa is because DC has a lot of black people. Like you right. can't, that should be, that should be it for him right there in my opinion. You just, you can't do that shit anymore. Um, and I mean, look, Biden is, he seems like a nice enough guy, but he's basically a Republican at this point, right? Like. I'm not even sure he seems like a nice enough guy. I mean, he's he's charming when he goes on Parks and Rec. And when the Onion, God, one of the the old Onion editors just came out recently and publicly said, like, we thought it was funny to make him out to be, like, cool Uncle Joe. And I'm really regretting my role in that at this point. (laughs) That's that's good to hear. Um, Although, I mean... I laughed my ass off of those things when, you know, when I, when I saw him back uh, years ago. Yeah, when ago. he was just like the goofy guy in the White House. Yeah. Was, you know, it's sort of it, like Obama's cocker spaniel. Right. Well, that's the, that's the funniest part is that Joe Biden literally went from like the least qualified person in the administration to now like ostensibly the most qualified, you know, front right. runner of the party. So right. it's right. been a little bit of a, of a shift in, in tone in our national politics recently, it seems like. <laughs> and it's, it's really interesting because he's at what, like 40% or something. 
Um, it's, he won't say that high, I don't think, especially once we start in with the uh, with the debates and all that, and it gets a little bit closer. Um, but yeah, uh, Mike Mike Gravel team, please reach out to us again. We'd like to. <laughs> we would definitely like to get the senator on the show. Get the uh, liquid flannel bump. It's a, yeah, exactly. That's the key to victory for sure. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you guys see the primary going? Because just seeing Biden up at like forty percent, and then I guess I know Bernie fell a little bit in the latest pollings, and I guess just Warren and everybody else. Yeah, Warren's having a little bit of a resurgence, which is is kind of neat. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where it, it you kind of just have to wait it out. I mean, I'm yeah. not surprised that that Biden is such a, a front runner because he definitely has like highest name recognition, and people have initially a good reaction to him, and they associate him with Obama and stuff like that. But um, I think the more they see of him probably the less that they will remember fondly, you know, when he didn't really do anything or say anything and just stood right. there and like clapped behind Obama. So Right. And and meanwhile, you know, most of his legislative history and, you know, public gaffes that you can point to is it should be disqualifying for anybody who's really looking for a progressive candidate. Right. Um, no, you're 100 percent right. And it's just where I think where the Democratic Party is moving and there, it, you can tell there's just this wave of, uh, you know, democratic socialism uh, trying to move this party to the left. And I don't know, I, you know, I'm just shocked that Biden's doing as well as he is right now. Um, but I think I think there is sort of like the flavor of the month. He's the new guy in the race. Um, and like you said, I, I think the Obama nostalgia plays a, a pretty big role in that as well. Well, Andrew, I think we're going to take a break right there. Uh, after the bump, I want to come back and talk about a thing that you just raised, which is how does the right talk about the left? And to to what extent, you know, is, is there some some maybe there's some avenues there for people to reach voters when they're so hyperbolic. Uh, cool. But we'll, we'll get into it after the break. Cool. Sounds good. <laughs> when it comes to the Green New Deal. Well, I mean, everything's going to be for free, uh, so we're told, but we were also told that you can keep your, your plan and keep your doctor and save money. That didn't happen. Millions lost their plans, doctors, and everybody paid more. Um, but this, I think this is an important point you're making. This is not just Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez. We've got presidential yeah. candidates. How, yeah. do you, how do you assess this group of 20-plus Democrats that want to be president? Even the ones, uh, Sean, that will declare themselves moderates will say with regard to health care that they want the public option. There won't be any private health insurance if you have a public option because the government will always sell you the insurance cheaper. So no matter how they choose to characterize themselves, you can bet whether it's Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders or somebody else, the nominee for president on the Democratic side is going to be on a path to try to turn America into a socialist country. We're not going to let that happen. Donald Trump's still in the White House, and as long as I'm majority leader of the Senate, I get to set the agenda. That's why I call myself the Grim Reaper. We will not have the Green New Deal and will not have Medicare for none as long as I'm majority leader of the Senate. So, yeah, Andrew, uh, as, as we left off from the last break, um, I know that Media Matters has been doing quite a lot of work on this issue, which is how the right talks about the left. And I'm hoping to pick your brain on that a little bit because you hear the left oh you mean the red menace 
Yeah, it used to be liberals that they were constantly talking. Liberals believe this or liberals believe that. And now it's just the left. And, and it's not even about like what they believe when something bad happens and they're not a conservative, like that represents the entire left. And I think that like one good example of that is Jesse Smollett, right? Like <laughs> right. no conservative on the planet could have told you if you just said Jesse Smollett, they would have had no idea what you were talking about. Right. And now like I'm not joking. We're, we're still getting nightly updates on Fox News about the Jesse Smollett case. And and the purpose of that is to make it seem like hate crimes don't exist, that every single hate crime is 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 fake. But right. it's just- It's the liberal media trying to trick you. It doesn't matter who it is. Last night, Tucker Carlson led his show. Last night, the New York Times tax bombshell breaks. Yeah. Six o'clock, plenty of time for Tucker to get ready. He leads his show with some state rep in Pennsylvania who yelled at somebody outside of uh, Planned Parenthood. And they show, you know, he shows that little bit of the of, of the guy yelling at him. But then the entire segment is about the left is unhinged <laughs> with pro, going after pro-lifers. Um, you know, meanwhile, you had somebody try to run over some Planned Parenthood supporters outside of Planned Parenthood today um, with their car. But like that doesn't get mentioned. But um, so that's what they do. And it doesn't matter. I mean, as long as there's like some professor at, you know, Evergreen State Tech University who's like telling their class that. Uh, we should get rid of meat and eat tofu, then, like, that's going to be a segment on Tucker Carlson. You know, meanwhile, I, I guess if you're, you know, kind of following, like, leftist campus politics, um, like, Eli Valley, As any, you know, retired boomer is avidly. <laughs> Absolutely 100% of the time they're following this. Campus politics, the number one issue for retired people. None of them are going to look at Eli Valley is going to go speak at Stanford University and Barry Weiss writes writes this essay about like how this kind of hateful rhetoric shouldn't be allowed on college campuses when not two fucking months ago she was writing essays about how anytime the left tries to deplatform right. somebody who's speaking on a college campus that's the failure of the American democracy. Right. No, it's it's such bullshit. It's such a grift and like I guess first of all, you know, God bless uh Ellie Valley. Um, that guy's fantastic, man. Like we're, we're lucky to have him. Yeah. And, but it's just, it's such a grift. And like, she was the one who wrote that intellectual dark web article. Is that right? Like that labeled them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Talking about, you know, just how important all of these, these heterodox voices on the right. And it's are. like Joe Rogan, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, some guy that just, you know, goes, talks about DMT and, and tells his guests that it's crazy when they, <laughs> when you right. spend like 10 years forcing people to eat spiders on television, you know, you go through some stuff. You, you've got to really, you got to go to another plane of existence to really get through that kind of torture. I mean, he, he hosted what's her ass from Turning Point USA. The, oh, Candace Owens. Oh, Candace. Yeah, Candace Owens. And she's like, I just don't believe in climate science. I think it's it's a big grift. And his response was just, wow, that's crazy. You know, it, like... Right. <laughs> right. Like, that's, that's your intellectual dark web. Candace Owens going out there saying, like, you know, the left are the real anti-Semites two months after she was like, hey, Hitler wasn't so bad, you right. know? He had some great ideas, too. Like, everybody forgets that. You know, the economy was doing roaring under Hitler, you know. And you're like, what is right. going on? So the fact that Nancy Pelosi recently came out and said, hey, we don't want to nominate two left of a candidate because then, you know, Trump might say, well, hey, the election 
was rigged. You know, if the candidate is or too that far person's left, a socialist, or if the election you know, during, is close during the, or whatever. During right? the campaign, he's going to go like, this person's an outright socialist. Right. So that he can declare the election over because, you know, oh, it's an emergency. Socialism is, you know, going to take over or something like that. But it's like, he's going to do that yep. anyway. Like, he, <laughs> you don't need to have that actually be reality for them to pretend like it's reality. So, you know, what's the what's the point of not doing it because the same situation is going to happen either way. Right. That's that's yeah. the trick that the the Democrats have fallen for in the past like oh. couple of decades where, you know, the Obama administration didn't want to do anything that was too aggressive in terms of social welfare because he'd get called a socialist. So we end up with this incredibly uh, like watered down, basically a Republican proposal for what to do with the healthcare system. Proposal. Yeah, it's the heritage proposal, and they still called it fucking socialist. Right, right, yeah. And the only thing it got us was Neil Gorsuch instead of Merrick Garland, and Merrick Garland was what maybe center left at best. Sure. Well, there's literally clips of you know Mitch McConnell on the Senate floor saying like if. Obama nominates somebody like Mitch Garland, you know, <laughs> right. then that's the only person that we'd even think about considering, you know, so but he would never do that. You know, he's going to nominate right. a crazy leftist. And then it didn't matter. It didn't even matter that he himself said, oh, that would be a good pick. Right. I've seen over the last couple of weeks, I've seen Fox News primetime label Pete Buttigieg and Cory Booker as radical socialists. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it's nuts. And so I, but I do think there's a lesson there is that they're going to do that to whoever is the nominee. So like, hey, you're absolutely right. Like do the right thing, you know? I'm just saying like universal healthcare is the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, it's not even doing the right thing. I mean, lean into it. Like, you know that that right. attack is coming. Own it. And yeah. you know that uh, when Democrats talk about the middle or electability, you know, there's a big difference between Beltway Insiders, the consultant class considered to be electable and the middle and uh, what the actual electable middle is when you look at polling data. You know, when when you see that fucking 70% of Fox News viewers support raising taxes on the ultra-wealthy, like, that's the middle of the goddamn country. It's not exactly. a radical proposal at that point. I think so much of the way that the Democrats just communicate is just piss poor. I mean, if if you're trying to pitch, like, a Green New Deal, for example— why pitch a Green New Deal? Why not just say, like, you never have to pay for gas again? You know, you're never going to have to stop at a gas station again. Same thing with, like, universal health care, uh, Medicare for all, whatever you want to call it. You never have to pay another copay again. You know, you never have to uh, pay insurance again. Um, I think that's the way that they should be talking about it as far as, like, the way that it affects, you know, the majority of people. Um, but they, they don't really talk about it as far as, like, what it would mean, how it would better people, I guess. It's just more like these big overarching themes um, that I don't think people can relate to all that well. You hear that idea of like the horoscope candidate. I've heard it applied to uh, Beta O'Rourke. I've heard it applied to Pete Buttigieg where um, it, it, there's no solid concrete like material policy proposal to vote for these people. It has to do with these vaunted um, and and uh, kind of ephemeral values. You know, we're voting for this is a values election. What are our values? And it turns out that like most people will go to the polls for I mean, what they value is the actual welfare of their family, not 
not just, you know, being better in some way than like Donald Trump, for instance. You do have to give people something to vote for versus, you know, just voting against I'm not Trump. I mean, I think that's kind of what Hillary tried to do, right? America is already Oh, it's great. 100% what she tried to do because it was a continuation of the same sort of uh, like war hawkish, neoliberal, like bank friendly politics that are fucking over pretty much everybody in the country, which is not that's not a great thing to throw up against a guy who's like, actually, it's the brown people who are ruining everything. We're just going to do a bunch of shit to like ruin lives for brown people. Right. That'll make your life better. That's material to people. Right. It's awful. But at least it's substantive. It's something you can sink your teeth into. Right. And, right. and you know, if you're sitting there, your comeback is America is already great. Like, how are you going to tell that to people that are living paycheck to paycheck? Um, I mean, we've all seen the stats that what that yeah. people can't afford a thousand dollar emergency, like 90 percent of the country right now. I think it's way lower than that. Yeah. It's like four hundred dollars. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't sit there and tell people that, no, it's actually already great. And we're just going to keep the status quo and things will be fine. Yeah. My my son, who was a soccer star in high school, just died from an opioid overdose. Like, yeah, America's not fucking great. I want to see people that uh, present solutions to this type of stuff. And Trump is going to go up there and make up his stupid nicknames. But. Give people something to vote for. Well, and give people something to talk about that's not yes. Trump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't yeah. just don't just get up there and talk more about Trump. Like, there's plenty of that going around. Trump will talk about himself plenty. You don't need to do it. <laughs> also so true, man. I brought it up earlier on the show that, you know, Bernie Sanders and AOC just came out with sort of a joint mm -hmm. proposal to limit interest rates on things like payday lending and credit cards. And coupled that with the idea that we've talked about a bunch on this show before of postal banking and having like a not for profit banking system where people could get a, right. you know, a savings account and a credit card and a, and a debit card. It got spun yet yeah, like everything's great when the government gets involved. Uh, you know, I saw one one very spicy take that was like the problem with the banking industry is too much government involvement. You know, like, oh, deep, Christ. it's like, how do you fucking reach out to somebody like that? But the, the broader point being, those are policy proposals that make a lot of sense for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that you might actually be able to motivate people to go to the polls to vote for if if a candidate comes out strongly in favor of like, you don't have to deal with fucking Chase or Wells Fargo or Bank of America anymore. You'll just be able to run a fee-free debit card and savings account through your local post office, which is like right down the street from you because that's how post offices right. are. You know, that's something that everybody has to deal with every single day. Right. And, and that will markedly make your lives a lot better. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I deal, deal with a lot of that as well. And it's just like the post office is, the post office will take the piece of paper in my hand and for like 45 cents, put it in your hand in Omaha in like three days. Like that's, that's fairly well run, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's that kind of stuff where it's like, hey, do you know that people not being able to like get bank accounts because they have bad credit or whatever, like it's not good for the economy, right? Like if that's your stated goal is to like help the economy work better than just being like, you know, your credit's too bad that a bank won't give you a debit card. That's stupid. Like, here you go. Right. Here's just a government debit card. It right. pays 0% interest, but the bank doesn't pay shit anyway either. So exactly. who cares, you know? You're so right, Brendan. And that reveals how bad Democrats are at messaging, right? Because if they want to be the neoliberal, just to the left of center party, 
Like they'd be making those arguments too. You know, it's actually good for free trade. It's good for the free market and the economy. If more right. people are able you know, to, the freedom to participate in the economy. <laughs> right. You know, like that's Absolutely. that's what we're giving to people. I mean, that's the liberal argument for why postal banking is good, and the Democrats can't even do that effectively. Um, no, it's just it, it's infuriating, and I would actually love to see the Democrats take on. Healthcare executives and bank executives and fucking private prisons, the most evil thing going on in this country, uh, rather right. than Trump. You know, I mean, take these people on instead of Donald Trump. Uh, talk about that shit more because it, it, it affects people's lives way more than racist, grifting game show host president that just blurts out nonsense. Right. All day. You would think that the Democrats would be able to do that kind of thing and say, hey, we're going to do this basic work of creating winning arguments and talking points mm -hmm. to advance our policy agenda. But they don't have to do that because Trump's not doing that. And so there's nothing to you can't engage with him in a conversation about that. So they just don't even bother. And the only people who are holding them accountable is the people from the left who are making you know, policy arguments like the Green New Deal. Right. And saying, well, here's what we'd like to do. It's a crazy, audacious policy proposal and they're like, well, that's just unrealistic. And it's like, OK, well, you show me your plan. You know, then, right. <laughs> you know, Trump's not yeah. going to say, hey, Democrats, show me your climate change plan. He's not going to ask him for that. But the left is. And so the reason that they don't have these talking points is because they haven't been challenged <laughs> in, you know, in years by the right on any of the things that they say are their you know, policy goals. And so they didn't have to actually put it down. It's almost like Republicans in Obamacare where they just said, hey, you know, we hate this and we want to get rid of it. And then when they didn't actually do that work to make something, you know, that's the kind of the position that the left is in right now on the environment. Not with the popular black president. You know? <laughs> right. Right. If, if Mitt Romney had passed exactly the same thing, like we would have uh, an incredibly robust uh, Romney care that like all of these red states had, you know, taken the Medicaid expansion and 100%. stuff. Yeah, no, it's frustrating. So, I mean, so much of it right now is just. I think it's the old guard that just wants to throw tomatoes from the rafters at like these people that are trying to actually do something to make lives better and, and kind of, I mean, look, we need, we need to reset this economy because the, the inequality is not sustainable and right. like this stuff does not end well. Um, yeah. And, and without actually doing something that is going to be major change um, in this country, it, we just need a reset for, for a lot of things. Um, it, it's just not sustainable the way that we're going right now. And, you know, there's, there's people that are offering, uh, some really robust plans, but then you're right. Like you just have people that are just throwing tomatoes from the rafters at them and, and offering nothing else. And I think that's, what's the most frustrating part is that that kind of represents like the majority, right? Like a lot of people are just scared of change. I think, I, I think the boomer generation in general just does not want to change things. Um, just kind of scared of overarching change. And that's kind of what, what is needed. Like right now at this exact moment, particularly uh, climate. Um, but yeah, I would throw healthcare in there for sure as well. Um, and income inequality. I mean, these are major issues that like, if we don't address soon, like it's, it's gonna, it's not gonna be great. The people who are driving the narrative aren't necessarily those people. Those are people with a vested interest in the status quo. Sure. Yeah, no, and that's a good point. That's the, that's the media establishment. That's the the donor class and pretty much anybody who's been a senator for, you know, the past like two decades or something. Right. Uh, because they benefit 
Um, I think it was uh, Matt Chrisman on our show just a couple of weeks ago saying, like, they don't want to win because if they win, then they're responsible for change. Right. And it's it's better for them to always be kind of the uh, what's the wrestling term? They're jobbers. Right. They're they're the people who come in in order to put up a good show and then lose. Because if they won, then people would hold them accountable. Right. Right. And a lot of accountability right now looks like changing the order of the way, you know, climate impacting business happens. It it has to do with getting rid of this generational wealth problem where we've got this effective emergent American aristocracy who hold all of the power and they've got this roiling underclass who's getting increasingly more and more pissed off about that. I take offense because Kendall Jenner was a self-made billionaire. So (laughs) that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) You know, I think you kind of left out like the political consultants and stuff as well, who are just these, how do these people keep getting jobs? You know? Oh, yeah, sure. Fucking uh, Robbie Mook tripped over his own dick into like he's like the head of the congressional campaign committee. And and he he lost a presidential race to like a guy LARPing as Gordon Gecko, you know, right? a a guy who literally was in Home Alone 2 loses a billion dollars a year for fun or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how the fuck do you lose to Donald Trump? And it's insane. And but yeah, he's probably making, you know, 250 grand a year at least. I don't know these people. You're right. These people just don't want to go anywhere, but they've got to go. You know, there's got to be some sort of, like, scorecard. Then the Democratic establishment is like, well, you can't get rid of that guy. Like, that's how you lose elections, you know, get rid of your... And it's like, well, <laughs> right. that's already happening. So, like, what? why not give it a shot? If he wants to, you know, start over again, work in a mayoral race and work his way up, like, all right, go ahead. But, like, you're not running major campaigns anymore. Um, it's just the way it should be. Yeah. Oh, it should totally be, like, the Browns, you know, have another terrible season. Like, (laughs) this guy's gone. Like, that should be the expectation, right? You lose that election? Like, next guy, please. Like, let's let's move along So I was working in in politics in 14. I was working um, race out in uh, Iowa. I mean, that was not a good year for us, uh, for Democrats in general, um, (laughs) on the Senate side. Yeah, terrible. Actually, you guys completely fucked that up. Oh, it was it was a disaster. <laughs> it was all you. No, it was a what disaster. were you doing out there? But um, but all the people in high powered positions in fourteen who lost a lot of races that were very winnable ended up running Hillary's campaign. Ended up running Priorities USA and losing again. And they're still doing this stuff, bringing home six figures. Yeah. Um, and there's just no accountability at all, especially on the left. I mean, I would say that's one thing the right does. Um, I, you know, you saw with the yeah. Tea Party. I mean, they were like, "Get the hell up, get rid of Carl Rove." Oh yeah, you know all that rhino garbage. They loved to primary people who didn't align with them ideologically. Yeah. Right. I think Republicans hate every Republican that's not Donald Trump right now. Yeah. Like, I can't think of a one that they really like other right. than him. Yeah, and I mean that's going to create a mess for them down the road for sure. Unless like just Don Jr. and Barron end up running for everything but uh. yeah we're gonna end up with a primogeniture uh presidency <laughs> and it'll be it'll be don jr next and then like eric trump's kids i'm psyched for baron i mean i'm psyched for our first game of yeah. president that's gonna be it's gonna be ready player one <laughs> in no time. protect our boy man protect baron <laughs> well before we go into the uh into the high note uh there is one development that i've seen um which I, i'm gonna take us out a little bit high on this segment too numbers came out from bernie sanders campaign and basically anybody who's working full-time for his campaign is now making i want to say it's 20 bucks an hour but it's no, that, very i think it was interns too 
or making like okay. 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. So it, with some benefits also. So mm-hmm. like that campaign at the very least is trying to break out of that, uh, that, that mode of basically only people with uh, financial security are able to ever participate in politics. You know, like that's going to make it a lot more possible for a bunch of young, energetic people who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford to take off work right. for, you know, the next year um, to get involved in the process and continue to push that that narrative. And I would like to see the same thing from I, that. That should be a litmus test for a Democratic a you know, contender for the for the nomination. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, this is an issue that is near and dear to my heart because I um, I started on campaigns in 2010 in Florida. Um, and for the most part, the way that campaigns treat the campaign workers is atrocious. Um, I mean, you're talking about kids, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot about the consultants making six figures and stuff like that. The majority, the bulk of your campaign is made up of kids fresh out of high or out of uh, college. It's their first real job. They're making $1,500, $2,000 a month. They're putting in 80 hour weeks. You know, you're working 20 hours a day for six months straight. Um, you feel guilty, right. like, taking a shower <laughs> and not being near your phone, you know? Yeah. And then election day comes and goes. And you're just unemployed the day after the election. You're not making enough money to save anything up. The, the All the campaigns I've been on have offered health care. Um, but that's it. You're just unemployed the next day. Um, and I, I would love to see – I think Bernie's campaign is the only one that is unionized right. so far. I know uh, Sherrod Brown in Ohio, his Senate race, they unionized uh, uh, in 18. But like Pete Buttigieg, he's not even offering health care right now. Um, and the, the hours Jesus. the hours that they, they have you work, the commitment that they have you make. Right. And it's all with a promise of like, hey, no matter what, after the election, like the campaign manager has a lot of connections. They're going right. to hook you up. It doesn't right. happen. Like that shit doesn't right. happen, you know. And well, there there can't possibly be right. that many jobs, right? Because like, how many fucking precinct captains do you need, right, to run a campaign? It's like a thousand people or oh, something. Dude, well, I would say way less than that. Maybe you know, maybe half that, depending on the state. You know, I mean, Florida is a lot different than Iowa. And I'm just saying there aren't going to be enough. Uh, like right. job openings, you know, it, it, especially if the person loses. I see what you're saying, yeah. To be able to to be able to slot people yeah. into those jobs, only one of them can become the governor of Illinois. You know, that's only right. one person. But yeah. then <laughs> it's why I support it's why I support a Highlander model where uh, at the <laughs> end of the campaign, all of the all of the campaign aides have to fight to the death. I love and this. That last person, you know, gets to be. You know, it gets to be that that high powered DC attorney. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's the way that campaigns. I mean, even some of the the better candidates I've worked for, it's it sucks the way that that some of the, especially the lower level level staffers uh, get treated. Just as far as the hours work versus pay versus like security after the election. Seriously, you're just unemployed. Um, you got to go on uh, 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 claim unemployment and um, just start looking for a new job, and it sucks. Um, it it really sucks the way that campaigns treat their workers. Um, I mean, pretty much across the board, really. So, Andrew, I'm going to put you to the test here as we go into the break. How do you think if Tucker Carlson were to listen to what you just said, <laughs> how do you think you would frame that as the left ruining something? <laughs> if, if there was just if I was a Republican, he would love it. He, he would love it. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh the left comes out against uh, – because he does – you know, and you and I had talked about this a little bit offline. He does take these sort of leftist 
positions but frames it in a way that's like more racist and more conservative it's really weird well sure it's the uh yeah it's it's that uh uh national bolshevism sort of <laughs> approach where you take the economic arguments of the left but tie it to nationalism and xenophobia exactly. and yeah. yeah exactly that it's hurting the little guy uh how we would frame what i just said i guess would probably be like they're treating you like like an immigrant or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's something like you know, leftist advocates for uh, affirmative action <laughs> even within political right. uh, campaigns. F- fighting for workers. a union job yeah. so that you can't be fired when you deserve it. You know. Yep, yep. yep. Here's how I think they would go. They would try to find like the mo- they would find somebody like Snoop Dogg's son or somebody who worked on a campaign, and they'd be like, even though this guy's a millionaire, you know, the Democrats think he deserves twenty bucks an hour. Hell just yeah. taking Instagram selfies, you know, being like, oh, I have a fake job. <laughs> you know, that's that's probably what they'd go for. Yep. And then they bring out uh, Barack Obama's brother. And he's oh. like, I never got paid a single day in my entire right. life. Like, I, I never asked for a handout. <laughs> well, let's take a break there. I thought it was going to be high. It ended up kind of low. <laughs> we got some, we got some climbing to do. We've got some climbing to do. We'll bring you out on a high note after the break. Well, there's a new talking point on the left. We specialize in keeping track of those. It's the left that despises the American flag, that despises it because it implies that America is a country. The left is angry at America. They say so all the time. The left loves the Chinese government. It's their model for governing. Republican leaders are controlled by the left. Now, the left's war on Christmas, which is not real, but still continues unabated, is targeting gingerbread men. I have noticed that the left has become more than anything a a, a religious movement. I never hear anybody on the left criticize Apple or Amazon. The left, the left, the left, the The left. left. I've never heard anybody on the left say, you know, we have deep sympathy for like normal people. A lot of the left has decided that President Trump is to blame somehow, though there's no evidence he was in the consulate when the killing took place. Suddenly the left believes in the deep state. The other day we covered the left's discovery that knitting is racist. The left wants to ban straws and put you in jail for using them. Not making that up, by the way. The left's main goal, in case you haven't noticed, is controlling what you think. On the left right now, at least for the duration of the revolution currently in progress, criticism is violence. Everything the left says is projection. Racial segregation, amazingly, one of the worst things this country ever did is coming back courtesy of the left. So my high note this week is a low note for Jacob Wall. He keeps hitting new lows. Uh, But... We talked about Jacob Wall before. He is, uh, you know, number one Trump's reply guy until he got banned from Twitter. Uh, yeah, what does sadly. he do now? I mean, is Trump on He tells Instagram? his dad what to tweet and his oh, dad Jesus. tweets it for him. He's been just, he's been running, you know, successful Republican press conferences. Oh, yeah. He's, for... he's the next James O'Keefe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with, with uh, you know. Twice as good looking and half as uh, successful. Right. Uh, so, so this dude. So he he uh, he now has gotten uh, some guy to he he lied about some guy saying that Pete Buttigieg attacked him um, and like Pete Buttigieg sexually assaulted him and that guy was like, nope, that didn't happen at yeah, all. Right. Like Jacob Wall he... wanted me to say that and I said like I don't want any part of this. Yeah, he was trying to he was trying to hashtag me too Pete Buttigieg. Right. Which I think the funniest part about it is that Jacob Wall looked at the 
you know, the Democratic field and was like, oh, shit, Buttigieg <laughs> is, is polling at like 6%. Uh, He's the one to be we worried have to about. T- yeah. We have to take him down. You know, <laughs> he cannot be stopped. We know we have to take drastic action. <laughs> and so, but I guess he called this press conference to just talk about how, you know, it's totally legit. And, you know, regardless of how fake it looks, you know, that's just the deep state trying to trick you. You know, Pete Buttigieg is the true sexual assaulter. Don't not. Try. Right. He's just Wiley Coyote, you know, and uh, <laughs> Wiley Coyote at least had good ideas to start out with. He was just right. always foiled by cartoon logic. Right. <laughs> right. It's just it's amazing. And how long has this how has this been going on with this guy? Like you had the Robert Mueller fake rape thing, right? And then wasn't he involved with the Roy Moore one too, or that might have been James O'Keefe? Yeah, no, I think he was in on that one too. I, I, you know, he's he's had so many failed ones in a row. I mean, I would have thought if you repeatedly, you know, held massive, um, you know, press conferences admitting to falsely reporting crimes and just being found out immediately as blatant lies. That there would be some sort of like consequences you think, to that. Yeah, you would think that like you know calling I don't know Robert Mueller a rapist and I don't you would think that that would be illegal. I, I don't know. Maybe I guess it's not. You know, it just sort of depends. Um, it's civilly illegal. The the target of the thing has to take you seriously enough to decide to bring like a, a slander charge. It's it's insane. And like, how do these people like? How do they make money? And they don't have jobs, right? That is a mystery. So Jacob Wall uh, has been barred. So he used to say he was running a right. hedge fund, which was like a, a, a Ponzi scheme. Oh, he scheme. started a hedge um, fund. It was just, right. yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, he did that. So, I mean, obviously he was probably doing really good on that. Ponzi schemes, you know, very yeah. profitable. <laughs> uh, you just get to keep all the money. It's great. Yep. Uh, and so, but now that's been gone for a, a long time. And so... His full-time gig seems making to be... Making up rape charges. Yeah, making fake accusations right. against Democrats. And it just does make you question, like, there must be somebody who's paying him to continue to do this. Yeah. Well, we know that he lives at home. You know, the the Robert Mueller thing, he got busted because he had used his mom's <laughs> email address right. to file, you know, the the business paperwork for the so-called intelligence firm that everybody looked up and was like, oh, everybody hired here is a uh, like a stock photo model. Yeah, so it's like three link, fake LinkedIn's or whatever. Right. As is the entire. Didn't company. he try to start a protest against himself before that? He did. That's that's where I thought Brendan was going with this. That he got outed just this week. Um, their big press conference, um, whatever his who's the lawyer that he works with, Jack Berkman, Berkman yeah, Berkman um, had tweeted like there's a there's a massive protest being organized <laughs> against us. And, you know, like real patriots will show up for this, like despite the, you know, despite the opposition that we're going to be facing bravely in the streets. And then it turned out that the uh, it was like the Eventbrite organization <laughs> was like, well, uh, 
uh, like think tank dot g- at gmail dot com. Right. Right. Yeah. It's so, it's so, so good. To make these connections. But it, like with, in the Mueller press, I've hid my tracks. The Mueller so press well. conference. Berkman has his fly down and like his his shirt out of it. I mean, if it if we find out that Jacob Wall and Jack Berkman are actually like diehard leftists who have been doing like an Andy Kaufman bit, my hero. This entire thing, yeah, absolutely, like. Jacob Wall for president. Yeah. At that point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make him the head of the, the DNC at that point. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the craziest part is like it's beyond parody that, you know, he could he could absolutely like next week announce his new press conference is like I was a Democrat the whole time and I trolled you guys. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes yeah, except that the Democrats aren't that far fucking gone media are. savvy. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, it would be like a it would be like a Vic Berger sort of thing, right? You know? Right. And, and I mean, well, Glenn Beck did that too. He came out and he was like, "Yeah, no, I hate Trump now." <laughs> well, he's, then he, but then he's, he reversed it again. He's back on his bullshit because he was talking about. I mean, he was he was parroting that same sort of invasion language. Uh, just uh, yesterday, he was, he was talking about. Yeah, he was talking about like yeah, like. These these Mexican caravans are going to come onto your farm and they're going to seize your land and kick you off of it. And then they're just going to say, like, well, this land is my land now, bitch. <laughs> and 18, 18 months ago, he was like, I'm concerned about the heat. Right. Of and, you know, right. I, I'm so horrified to think that I was maybe a small part of that. You know, I, it's just I, it tears me up inside. Yeah. It was it was pretty funny seeing a lot of I, I follow a lot of uh, like native Twitter. And seeing them go like, oh, so like exactly what white people did to the people who lived there beforehand. Like, did you think this was going to scare me or turn me off? That that sounds that sounds dope as dope as hell. It's just it's such a grift, man. And like, think about how much money Glenn Beck makes. And like, I know, I guess the blaze went bankrupt or he was losing a lot of money. That dude is still worth a lot of money. Oh, sure. Um, You look at, uh, you know, like. Charlie Kirk and Turning Point yeah. USA and like that dude's making three figures easily by being like this small face like some of uh, honestly some of the worst like boomer tier memes yep. on the internet right now but because he is the uh, he he's the the beneficiary of a couple of like billionaire oil executives, like he's just gonna continue to fail upward. Yep. Yeah. No. It's and I say it all the time about Ben Shapiro. Like that guy just he found a, a billionaire patron and figured out how to game the YouTube al- algorithm, and I mean he's probably making a shit ton of money. Um, oh sure. Oh absolutely. And uh, yeah. with no real talent, and if you're not online, you have no idea who Ben Shapiro is. But the the dude is. I don't know. He's figured out his grift, and and uh, I don't know. It sucks. It sucks that these people <laughs> can pull this off. Well, speak. You speak. know, it's in a way I find it inspiring. Okay. You know, if they can do it, you know, if they can make it, you do you can have do any it. idea you believe how in yourself. easy it would be for any of us to walk into the Fox News offices tomorrow and just be like, "Hey, I'm a reformed lib. Like I've seen the light." All lives matter now, right. you know. Uh, I'm totally. All of, all of my Twitter follows, mutual followers are leftists. I'll, I'll be able to have the, you know, my finger on the pulse of exactly what they're saying. You would walk out of there with a Fox News contributor contract for, you know, two hundred grand a year. You get yourself a, a book deal um, that the the Koch brothers would just buy five hundred thousand copies, and you're good to go. I mean, that's the grift, sure. right? It's beautiful. Well, speaking of grifts, I'm going to move on to my my high note this week. Uh, I made a joke on Twitter last night, and now it's turning into a job, but I'm excited about it. The joke was what we need 
as a podcast is somebody who can look at Brian Jakes's Redwall series through a socialist lens and talk about communalism and religion and and racism in that series. Uh, really just said that as a joke. And in the past 24 hours, we've got like 30 committed Patreon subscribers and I've got co-hosts and people lining up to do art for me and stuff. So, um, yeah, follow us at the Red Wall Pod. Dude, on you're, Twitter. you're fired up about this, man. I saw you tweet about it earlier. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited now. Like, I, <laughs> I meant it as kind of a throwaway joke, but apparently there's a lot of demand for it. And those books are great. So I, I haven't read yeah. them. I will look them up. We're gonna have we're gonna have plenty to talk about, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. We've got uh, Melly, a uh, regular contributor here on Liquid Flannel, who is also a very talented cook and baker, uh, who's gonna be kind of our our food liaison because one part of the Redwall books is they're always having these amazing feasts. Um, so we're gonna you know we'll talk about socialism in Redwall, and every episode we'll cook a little food and and give you the recipe for that. So. Are you going to cook it mouse sized? I mean, that's the trick of the <laughs> right. feast. When you're the size of a mouse, you know, like a half a ham sandwich is like, uh, uh, you know, it could feed your entire you family. You know, I've read so many of those books that like the size thing, we're going to have to talk about it on the show because the size <laughs> thing makes absolutely no sense. Like sometimes like the wildcats are just slightly bigger than the mice that they're fighting. And sometimes a mouse falls into a cat's mouth and sometimes they're fighting uh, like you know, like a badger badgers, or something. like, you know, these, these things are like way outsized to the scale of, you know, it's like Gandalf walking into bag end or something. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're going to have to talk about the size thing. Sizeism in Redwall. That's, that's what the podcast is going to be about. I look forward to it. Well, I, we cannot gloss over the real biggest story of the week, which is, you know, electoral politics, victory, Denver, is about to legalize shrooms, y'all. <laughs> or decriminalize, yeah. I guess. But, you know, it's the first step. As the, as the Tucker Carlson will say, Slippery you know, slope. this is the first step on the slide right. towards, you know, total every leftist anarchy. Every single thing is a slippery slope, and everything feels very slippery when you're on psilocybin. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, they actually did it, man. Like, it was they, – they, people talked about it, and they actually had a vote, and it barely passed – uh, 89,000 votes to 87,000 votes. And so, yeah, they're going to decriminalize psilocybin, quote unquote, magic mushrooms. My favorite part about this is that I got to hear them say magic mushrooms on NPR like 20 <laughs> times today. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the day. Yeah, they had fucking Michael Pollan come on uh, All Things Considered tonight to talk about, you know, like why this is good and why, you know hallucinogenic mushrooms are a foundation of western philosophy <laughs> who is that like new york times lady who went and like ate too many like pot oh brownies? marie dowd oh she ate like <laughs> yes. she ate like 500 milligram cookie or something oh it's the funniest story oh it's so good yeah i can't wait for her next installment yeah. now that she's gonna eat like a pound of shrimps <laughs> 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 yeah, that's going to be the best New York Times column oh ever. Oh my god, it's, I, I can't it's wait so for funny. It. Yeah, it's so funny. You know, it's pretty exciting too because uh, I, I've had I've had mushrooms a number of times in my life, and um, you know, one of the concerns that's been raised is like drug abuse and addiction and stuff like that. And anybody who has ever eaten mushrooms, um, I, I, this is this seems to be a fairly universal response. 
you get done with the trip and you had a great time and you're like, I'm good on that for a while. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't I, I don't need to go back there. Yeah, dude, you haven't seen the boomers out on the street, you know, just being like, yo, I, I'm strung out on shrooms, <laughs> right, yeah. you know, I need my fix, right. you know, I have to do shrooms three times a day. Like, that's just, it just doesn't seem like a thing. Yeah, because yeah, you're, you're effectively useless cognitively while you're doing the thing. It can be very spiritual, but also you need to have, like, a babysitter because, <laughs> you know, you might decide that you're invincible and want to run into traffic or something like that. Um, it's it's not really one of those addictive sort of uh, experiences that you want to go back to immediately. And this opens up so many possibilities for, like, pharmaceutical research and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff. So yeah. I, it's the first step yeah, into doing of, that, which I think of, could really help a lot of people. Lots of mental health research going on, uh, like microdicing, sorry, uh, microdosing. Uh, End-of-life care as well. I, it's sure helps out a lot. Um, but it's just nuts, man. I mean, could you imagine, like, 10 years ago, even even with all the mar- – uh, the states legalizing marijuana, even for recreational use, um, you know, it's – in D.C., we have, like, actual storefronts that you can walk into and, and buy weed, and it's just mind-blowing. Right. Yeah, it's nuts to get that – get weed in, like, a like a branded package yeah. or, like, a little jar with, like, their own, you know, designed labels and stuff on it. Yeah, it's wild. Um, when, you know, 10 years ago, literally anywhere in the country, you were buying – random you had to have a guy like baggies you had to have a guy it was usually some like a business school student named garrett or something (laughs) he'd go over to his house and like he didn't really want to spend time with you it'll be interesting i i would love to see what happens when they like federally legalize or because you know a lot of states when they did uh like got rid of prohibition they have these like state run like alcohol stores um is te- Texas isn't like that, but Texas you know, like, isn't, Can- but, uh, I think Kansas, Kansas is one. Kansas definitely still is one. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, if you want to buy alcohol, you have to go to like a government, like it's like a convenience store. That's like an, a liquor store that's run by like the state ATF or whatever. Which apparently is how um, they do it in, um, that, that's how they do it in the UK, you know? And like the whole idea of like, you go to an off license store to buy your like under the table alcohol, but for the most part, you're buying it straight from the state. Right. So we could literally see states, you know, once it's legalized federally, like Nebraska or something, saying like, "Hey, yeah, like league is le- weed is legal, but you got to go to the state run <laughs> store to get right. it." Right. Well, and and just uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, Oklahoma, because the legislature couldn't get their shit together have like the third most permissive medical medical marijuana program in the entire country where you know they're going to be like what Montana or Oregon were a couple of years ago where it's like a billboard on the side of the road that's like do you have a single health problem like come and see this quote doctor unquote uh, and we'll we'll write you your card and then you'll just be able to buy weed all the time and sell it to your friends probably yeah, they have where you can like Skype with a doctor too, so you don't even. Yeah, have to be yeah, there sure. <laughs> yeah, how far is Oklahoma from Texas though? It's like far, like it's real far. What? No, it's the next state north of me. It, it, well, I know, but like you still like Texas is big, so you got to drive like a long well, time. I'm right? in North it's, Texas. Eh? We're talking two hours tops to get to Oklahoma. Right. Yeah, I mean that's like what like DC to Virginia is is two hours too. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> So yeah, I thought that was a that was a pretty uplifting story this week too. Absolutely. Like something that I definitely did not think was going to happen this soon. 
Like, we don't even have le- marijuana legal federally yet, and now Denver's already moving on. They're pushing the envelope, man. Andrew, did you have a, a high note to take us out on? We'll give you the last word. Oh, my God. I, um... I don't think so, actually. It's pretty, okay. it, it's <laughs> just, pretty dark here, man. I've, got, uh, you know, I've been watching this nonsense all day. Um, no, I, I actually don't have a high note right now. I, I'll say it's, uh, you know, we're like hitting the 70 degrees here in uh, in D.C. now. Um, and being from Florida, that's that's perfect for me. So um, that's about as high as a note as I, I've got right now, though, I think. Hey, high high temperatures, high notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What What's your favorite Fox News commercial? Oh my God! I mean, I mean it's basically just my pillow commercials right now. You know, um, <laughs> that, that I think there's Mike like a Lindell. five minute version of the my pillow ad that they used to just fill time. I don't know. Have you seen the guy the the one that they're running right now with the my pillow guys like just handing out pillows to like weird children at a sleepover and stuff? Yeah, he's like, let's build a pillow for it's, kids. It's, yeah. it's really, really creepy. All right, that, that'll be my high he's note. He's just then. wrestling with the a creepy giant, uh, you know, cross on a chain, just hitting him in the face <laughs> right. as he's like, you know, playing pillow twister. Yeah, it's it's a real great scene. Out well, there. Andrew, I, I bet we can pull a little bit higher high note out of that generally because you follow this media, right? And you have seen not just the programs, the brain poison programs, but you've seen who is advertising on these programs. Um, that's That's got to be a high note for you, there's, right? Because there's some really funny ones. There's uh, Egglet is uh, this little thing that, that'll boil your eggs for you in the microwave is a good one. There's um, there's like a copper pan. It's like made out of copper, which I don't know. I think is poisonous, but like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's, uh, yeah. There's, well, only if the EPA exists. Gotcha. <laughs> and it's different from what you saw before where there were people with actual money. Oh, absolutely. Especially there. on prime time. I mean, nobody wants to, well, not nobody, but most, most companies don't want to advertise on, you know, white on the Stormfront TV, um, which is essentially what yep. we get now. So, but it's, it's a trip. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that is basically um, infomercials. It's, it's really weird to see. Yeah, I think we should try to buy some airtime. It's got to be just dirt oh my cheap. God, you know? <laughs> but although I think they, they, a lot of people have tried. Like there was a, that guy was going to buy like we should impeach Trump ads. And they were like, nope, not not allowed. Uh, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So uh, they got high standards, even though uh, somehow the egg roller. You know, <laughs> the egglet. The egglet. <laughs> if, I, if I phrase the ads right for the Red Wall podcast and say that it's mostly about religion, I bet I could get a, a Red Wall plug oh, on there. There's a talking Bible. Have you, have you ever seen the commercial oh, for the talking yeah. Bible? I love the talking Bible. Uh, it's so oh, is, funny. It, is it read by James Earl Jones like on The Simpsons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's bleak. It's bleak, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a hell of a thing. <laughs> Well, Andrew Lawrence from Medium Matters, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Yeah, thank thanks for, for having me, guys. It's really fun. Um, yeah, I, I hope I hope it was all right. I, I, I think it was more than all right. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm so confident in that. I'm going to ask you to do some plugs now. Where can people find you? Where can people find Media Matters work? So, yeah, uh, our website, MediaMatters.org. Um, on Twitter, we are at MMFA. And uh, my Twitter handle is a little confusing because all the Andrew Lawrences had been taken. Uh, <laughs> so I use the at in Twitter as the A in my name, and then it's just underscore Lawrence. Okay. So and, Andrew, um, Andrew underscore Lawrence um, is pretty much where I do most of my apping. Hell yeah. Well, I, I wanted to give a special shout out to uh, a friend and former 
uh, former guest on the show, Jordan Yule, for putting us in contact. Um, Jordan, you're a you're a good comrade, man. We love you. Jordan's the man. He absolutely is. Uh, I am Matt the Great on Twitter uh, with a W, and you know that you can follow the show at Liquid underscore Flannel and my co-host Brendan. I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. Thanks for fighting for us on the front lines of Fox News journalism. Poisoning your brain it's, it's, on our behalf. It's a real battlefield out there. <laughs> it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again, Andrew. Thank you, Stay guys. Safe. Yeah. No, I, yeah, thank you again. I had a lot of fun, man. I appreciate it. All right, it. cool. Anytime, man. And uh, audience, cool. we will see you next week.